things theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta give doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at all things theology. Grace and peace, guys. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology, where I'm your host, K-Dub. And today, I want to talk about John MacArthur. I want to talk about Howard Wesley. Yes, there's going to be some connection with that in conservative Christianity and politics. But before we do that, make sure you like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you're not. And as always, click the notification bell so you can be aware when I drop future content. So let's get into the topic of today. So someone sent me this video and I actually already had it in my watch later list. And they they sent it to me. I was like, okay, well, now I definitely got to watch it. And if you're familiar with the videos I've done in the past on Howard Wesley and his Can I Push It series, uh, you'll be familiar with the person I'm talking about. But if not, I would encourage you highly to check out those videos because I've provided a lot of commentary in the past um, with uh, with this pastor who's in Virginia. At one point, we were going to... Uh, I was going to fly out and we were going to have a dialogue, but then that got shut down. I've done videos on all that, so you can go check it out. But he's, uh, over the years, been going more for a liberal approach of scripture, his view of God. He's kind of uh, processed, uh, he's, he's adopted a view now that God uh, in the future are open, meaning God does not know the future and he's in learning. Uh, he's He's denied things like Jesus being the only way. Uh, so many heresies this guy is involved with. And like I said, I, w- I would love to have a sit down with him, but I'm willing, but it doesn't seem like um, he is from when I talked to his secretary. But nevertheless, uh, for full disclosure, I did. Uh, there's, there's so much I could respond to in this video, but I did allow about 26 minutes of just full on from a, from a particular section because I thought that's where the meat of the conversation was with this gentleman he has on. Hold on. Let me bring this video up here. Yep. You know, one of the things that always uh, I forgot the name of this gentleman, but this uh, he teaches at uh, Yale University. He he formerly taught at uh, Union Theological Seminary, which kind of says a lot about uh, <laughs> where he is theologically. But let's let's get into it and we'll we'll uh, discuss where necessary. Let's go. Has left a bad taste in my mouth of seeing how scriptures used to demonize, oppress, to harm even to justify killing. Um, and it, it's it's something that we as Christians, the minute scripture's thrown on it, it almost comes across as if that is inherently the will of God. We take out the interpretive process and how it is used. I want to get into the heart of this before we look at some of the evangelical positions on certain issues and how the Bible is being misused, how the Bible is being misappropriated, because that that that's this is a uh, very ironic, given what they're going to say later. Uh, you know, they're talking about you know the Bible being misused, but all throughout this conversation, the Bible is literally going to be misused. We'll we'll get into that in a second, but I'll continue. Load up the gun. That's how you begin to get people behind you. Is you're saying, well, if it's in the Bible, this must be the will of God. Therefore, to stand against it is to stand against the will of God. Um, as a professor of Bible, talk to us about appropriate and misappropriate uses of scripture especially as you see with right-wing evangelicals yeah yeah well oh, and by the way if you watch this video this this video is an attack on all what they call right-wing conservative evangelical christians and they're all lumped together as trump worshiping uh supporters and all that and so 
Uh, just, just very interesting. Uh, and the this, oh, yeah, I can't see it there. Uh, but you, you'll see what I mean because I still left some of that in here. Let's go. Um, in one chapter, I talk about John MacArthur and how John MacArthur issued this. Oh, Obery Hendricks. Ober, I think that's how you pronounce the name. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the gentleman's name here. This letter that got and got ten thousand right-wing evangelical pastors to sign on. And the letter said that social justice is essentially anti-biblical. Yep, right? yep. That's, that's what he said. Um, and, I mean, that he couldn't be more wrong. Um, and he's supposed to be a scholar. It's just unconscionable. And the reason that, that he's so wrong is this. The term mishpat, or, we, or justice, as we translate it, occurs in the Bible more than any other ethical concept in the Bible. It is the predominant ethic of the Bible, and that is justice, that, and, um, um, which we might understand giving others their due or treating others, um, essentially, as Jesus says, as we want to uh, be treated ourselves or loving others as ourselves. Um, the second most occurring ethical term is sodakah, translated as righteousness, with, uh, understood too often with the connotation of personal piety, but it means doing right in society, doing right by people, because um, the, the Bible's always, particularly in the Hebrew Bible, is always about the common good. It's not about individualism. individualism. So righteousness, doing right in society, doing the right to other, of, other people. And then those two terms are paired together more than any other terms in the Bible, mishpat, justice, um, sadaqah, uh, social righteousness, they're paired together more than any others. And you look at that, you put them together, what does that say? Doing, they mean doing justice in society, social justice. Those, I mean, that's not my opinion. That's how it shakes out in the Bible. So what does that say? that the primary underlying ethic of the Bible is social justice, doing, working for a just society, a just world, uh, according to the dictates of God. So this is a, a, one of the most fundamental um, misrepresentations that one can offer. And this gentleman offered this, and, and, and right-wing evangelicals, they, they've given conferences against social justice so there's a reason why i played all that because i wanted to be made sure hey he's saying what people are pushing against is just justice being social and that's why there's you know when um uh, you know the social justice statement came about what they were pushing about is that we should not be about justice that is social <laughs> I, I wanted that to be clear because i didn't want people to say hey i'm taking him out of his context out of his words no that's what he's saying and then let, let's say I grant him what he said about justice and even um, the, the show, social aspect about it. Let me let me read from the uh, social justice statement, because this, this is funny. All, all you have to do is check out what the people are saying about someone and you, you can see if they're right or wrong. Let me on the section about justice. Let me read this. It says we affirm that since he is holy, speaking about God, righteous and just, God requires those who bear his image to live justly in the world. Hmm, sounds like they're saying we are for social justice. Anyway, this includes showing appropriate respect to every person and giving to each one what he or she is due. We affirm 
that societies, there's a social word, must establish laws to correct injustices. Hmm, sounds like, anyways, that have been imposed through cultural prejudice. So, so right here, he's, he's, he either hasn't read the statement, he's going with other people have misread about the statement, um, but it wasn't true that the social justice statement is a denial that justice should be social. So Mark one right there, he's wrong. What they what the social justice statement is denying is having what they say uh, later uh, things adding to the Bible. Um, um, you know, this cultural relevancy. Matter of fact, in the next statement, that's the divine uh, defined is because it. They have a, a affirming and then they have a denial. We deny that true justice can be culturally defined or that standards of justice that are merely socially construct can be imposed with the same authority as those that are derived from scripture. We further deny that Christians can live justly in the world under any principles other than the biblical standard of righteousness, relativism, socially constructed standards of truth or morality and notions of virtue and vice that are constantly in flux and cannot result in authentic justice. So this is for those who are bringing in uh, secular ideologies in the church, some uh, things like critical race theory, social justice statement is denying that this is a statement that will actually, uh, you know, bring about true justice in society. So either he hasn't read the statement and he's ignorant and unaware of it, or he's just straight lying about John MacArthur and the other pastors who, who uh, formulated this statement. So either way, he's wrong. Uh, I, I don't know the motivation or the reason why, but he's wrong about this statement. So uh, I, I thought this was uh, pretty, pretty uh, interesting that on the issue of the disagreement of the social justice issue, he does, he's, his, his finger is nowhere close to why these men wrote this statement. And I, I, I sincerely doubt he read it because you, you cannot read through through this and and think, oh, they're denying justice to be social. <laughs> um, and oftentimes when you talk to a lot of the social justice guys, this is the argumentation they bring. Well, the Bible talks about justice and it talks about it being social. How can you not affirm social justice? Because that's because we we don't believe that's what it actually means. We, we we're addressing some other thing. We're addressing the ideology behind that. And you just want to go to the definition of a word and say, you don't agree with this definition of or application of social justice. Or, or yeah, definition. We're disagreeing with the application of how those things carry out. So, just for those who are listening, saying what's going on, just and all of that. Um, and so, no matter what they do, they're on the wrong track to begin with. No, sir, you are because you're not even on the right. <laughs> you're not even on the right plane. You're not addressing the disagreement. If you think the disagreement is, we shouldn't do do justice and uh, socially then you're not addressing these men and why they wrote or men who signed the statement. N nowhere near. I've never heard any Christian who disagree with the social justice ideology say, of course we shouldn't do ju uh, justice socially. Everyone believes we should. So that's not the disagreement again. Then also um, they uh, <clears throat> misused uh the two other egregious errors which they misused. Now, watch watch what the egregious errors are that proponents of the social justice statement misuse. Bible. One has to do with same gender loving um, brothers and sisters in, in the world. Um, and, uh, and they say that unequivocally 
the Bible, um, according to the Bible, uh, same gender, um, emotional and physical intimacy is a sin. Yes. Uh, Let me read, because matter of fact, that is mentioned in the social justice statement. Let me read the affirmation and then I'll read the denial. Uh, We affirm that God created man and female. That is divinely determined distinction is good, proper and to be celebrated. Maleness and female femaleness are biologically determined at conception are not subject to 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 change. So uh, shouts out shouts shots fired at a a transgender. Right. Uh, But anyways, the curse of sin results in sinful disordered affections that manifest in people. Some some people as same sex attraction. Salvation grants sanctifying power to renounce such dishonorable affections as sinful and to mortify them by the spirit. Amen. As well as other sins, I would agree. Uh, Continuing on, we further affirm that God's design for marriage is that one woman and one man live in a one flesh covenantal sexual relationship until separated by death. Those who lack the desire or opportunity for marriage are called to serve God in singleness and chastity. This is as noble a calling as marriage. Amen. We deny, so getting to the denial, we deny that human sexuality is a socially uh, constructed concept. We also deny that one sex can be fluid. Amen. We reject gay gay Christian as a legitimate biblical category. We further deny that any kind of partnership or union can be properly called marriage other than one man and one woman in a lifelong covenant together. We further deny that people should be identified as sexual minorities, which serves as a cultural classification rather than one that honors the image bearing character of human sexuality as created by God. And they give a multitude of scriptures to, um, you know, substantiate that point. But let's, let's hear his reasoning. And these folks should be cast out. But when you read the passages about homosexuality, and there are only a handful of them. And the Bible talks more about bestiality, bestiality than it talks about you know, uh, same gender, um, uh, loving people. Um, but the few places where it mentions few same gender, loving people, you put them in cultural and historical context and, and, and translate them correctly. Either they are like in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they're dealing with, um, circumstances at the moment to try to keep people, to keep the heat people, evil people from going over into the Canaanite religion, for instance, um, um, says men should not lie, lie with with men. Well, it doesn't really. It, it says that men should not become holy ones. In the Hebrew says, "What does that mean? Mean you should not get in, involved in the temple, the Canaanite temple cult, a fertility cult in which men um, become um, essentially try to become women." They dress like women, act like... This is actually not what it says. He actually didn't quote the verse right. The uh, text in Leviticus, uh, there's Leviticus 18 and also in Leviticus uh, 20. Uh, they both say the similar thing. Um, you should not lie with a male as with a woman. Uh, it is an abomination. In Leviticus 20, verse 13, it says, If a man lies with a, with a male as with a woman, so it's, it's definitely this sexual context. Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. But but, but let's let's hear him because let's let's hear him out, right? We want to be good listeners. We want to hear what people are saying, right? We don't want to just be saying, "Oh, you're just ignoring." Let's hear what he says. Let's continue. I mean, they're, they um, 
even are uh, have their private parts excised so they can fulfill this role of women in order to worship a feminine God. It's not saying that men dressing like women in itself is bad. It's bad because it they are not acting as Hebrews. They're acting... Uh, I, I would be curious because it doesn't sound like from this statement that he supports uh, the transgender issue, but that, that's another, another point. But uh, it sounds like he disagreed with that issue because he says it's not to be Hebrew to try to change your gender. But I don't expect consistency, so we'll keep going. But in someone else's religion, right? And then you go up through Paul. But Paul is saying when you translate his into the Greek, some of it is just not clear. My point is. <laughs> Hold on. I'll, I'll let him finish the statement. That no matter what one's opinion is, we cannot say conclusively that the Bible um, is saying that those um, <clears throat> people who love, <clears throat> who are uh, romantically love members of their own gender are, are, are sinning because the Bible does not clearly say that. Okay, so the text I read is not clear. Paul isn't clear in Romans 1 when he talks about uh, homosexuality. And and if you look up the the... the if first Timothy one, uh, first Corinthians six, um, uh, you know, all these texts, they're, they're not clear at all. Jude one, they're not clear. If you look up the term, uh, the Greek term for homosexuality, the, the term, the Greek term itself is arsenokoites. And the arsenokoites is a, a, con, a conjoining of words, uh, to, to literally mean men lying in the bed together. That's literally the, the term and it's obviously in a sexual context. If you go to those passages, it's very clear, especially Romans one and what this gentleman, what this man, this doctor, this scholar has told us is that we can't conclude one way, <laughs> um, which is actually a contradiction of what he said earlier that you know, if we can't conclude one way, then you can't say it's good or you can't say it's, you can't say it's righteous or you can't say it's sinful, but he goes on to call it. I mean, he, he says it's, he concludes that it is okay. But that just contrary to what he just said, the Bible is not clear enough to give us a sexual ethic. Apparently, this is what this gentleman is uh, teaching in. See, guys, don't be afraid when someone says they're a doctor or they're a scholar. Doesn't mean they know the Bible. <laughs> it's just they've been trained in a particular way of thought. Uh, oftentimes, that's the case. And so, um, he, you know, yeah, that's the common answer they'll give. Uh, oh, it's just talking about temple prostitution. I don't think it's possible to read the Bible and, and conclude uh, that's only what it's talking about. Uh, you go to Romans one, Paul makes it very clear. You, you know, you go, you go to all these texts. Paul makes uh, the Bible makes it clear on its position on homosexuality. And I, I get it. That contradicts your ideology. That contradicts your, uh, your liberalism, but you can't say it's not Bible. And that is clear. And even, and, and, you know, we don't even need to get into the, the fact that Jesus said to love, you know, to love each other. And, you know, I mean, what that says to me is as long as you love somebody, you know, you, you're in good shape and you're trying to love in the name of God. So as long, hey, as long as you love someone who, I mean, do you apparently is what we were told. I mean, so I guess pedophilia would be okay, right? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. Come on. They can't give consent. But you just said the standard was as long as they love each other. Okay. How, okay. You don't want to go that far. How about this? Can 10 people be in a, a faithful marriage together? If they all 10 love each other, can they just be in a, a relationship? Why not? If the standard is just love, nebulous love, right? 
because um, we can't define it biblically because once you do that then you have to say homosexuality is not a loving relationship you see how this works the the the, the standard is some nebulous love out there just uh, love each other jesus said love and if you're anything like me you've seen you've heard the doctrine of the love of jesus the love of god being being used to support anything i mean God loves me. Smoke this weed. Smoke crack. Sell crack. <laughs> you know, I, I've literally heard people use the love of God to why they're living to, uh, to a man and a woman living in a, uh, a, a relationship prior to marriage. The love of God can be used for anything. I mean, it can be abused for anything. I'll say that. One thing, though, has to do with abortion. The Bible nowhere says, hmm? No, the Bible nowhere, Bible nowhere says any, uh, that abortion is a sin now so nowhere does the bible says the taking of a human life in the womb is a sin but let, let, let's hear him out more on this because we you know if you're anything like me you're like no it seems very clear thou shalt not murder uh the bible seems to indicate that what's in the womb is is a life that's that's why there's penalties if you were to kill the child in in, in the womb and he's actually going to bring that up a little bit and so if you recognize, since the Bible recognized the what's in the womb is a human life, the taking of that life would be murder. So go ahead. I'm not passing any judgment on whether abortion is good or bad. I have my own opinions about uh, abortion, <laughs> but the Bible never says abortion is a sin. Um. There's only one place that the Bible says anything about voluntary abortion at all. Um, I'll get to that in a moment. What it, but when it mentions involuntary abortion, when it, uh, Jeremiah uh, Exodus 21 verses 22 and 23, it says that if two men are fighting and they injure a pregnant woman, um, they injure her and uh, and and they injure. Or kill um, her fetus. That's where the eye for the eye comes from, right? That's an yeah. eye for eye passage. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the eye for, So a woman. So the punishment for hurting the woman is eye for an eye, but the punishment for hurting the fetus is a financial fine. So the Bible makes a distinction between um, someone walking the earth and 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 the fetus. But notice, there's a penalty. Yeah, I think he misses that whole point. The point is, there's still a penalty. For what's in the womb, if if it wasn't a human life, uh, you know, a conscious being, why would you? Anyways, that's something for him to think about. But yes, of course, there's a distinction between what's in the womb and what's in the, uh, you know, the, the woman. That's that's a pro-life argument. That's why you, we don't believe you can kill the child. I'm not saying folks should draw any conclusions. Uh you have to draw your own conclusions. I'm just saying with the Bible. Why not? If the Bible doesn't say it's wrong, why would, why shouldn't people be able to do it? I mean, the reason why, so, so this season goes to a more fundamental question that God's word, God himself, right? Which is revealed in the word, uh, which he is revealed in the word is the foundation and establishment for morality. I, I don't know if he would say that. I would be curious. But the only place that says, that it says that there is uh, that speaks of voluntary <clears throat> voluntary abortion in the Bible. The only place is in Numbers five, in which it says that if a woman, a married woman, is found to have 
been impregnated by a man other than her husband, that the punishment is, is for her, the fetus within her will be aborted by God. So the only abortion, voluntary abortion, the Bible spoken of is uh, is supposedly a divine abortion by God. I'm not going to get into that any more than that either. Uh, but and, and I would answer that by saying, yes, there are penalties for sin. But it, yeah, let, let, I, I want to hear something because I want to read something real quick. The point is, you can't predicate, you can't act like the most important thing in Christianity and the most important, the most important thing in the Bible is abortion, where you're going to predicate all kinds of stuff, the politics and everything on. A- so now he kind of switches the issue. First, it was the Bible doesn't say anything about abortion. Now it's well, it's not the most important thing. Let me read something from an Old Testament scholar, uh, Meredith Klein. He addresses this issue on the Lex Talionis and the human fetus. If you want to uh, read this uh, document, I'll try to remember to post it in the description. Uh, He says, as we observed at the outset, and this is a a pretty lengthy exposition on Exodus 20, 21, 22, and and things like that in in the case of abortion. He says, as we observed at the outset, induced abortion was so inherent to the Israelite mind that it was not necessary to have a specific prohibition dealing with it in the Mosaic law. The middle Assyrian laws attest to the abhorrence that was felt for the crime, even in the midst of heathendom around Israel. Lacking, though it did, the illumination of special revelation. For in these laws, a woman guilty of abortion was condemned to be impaled on stakes. Even if she managed to lose her own life in producing the abortion, she was still to be impaled and hung up in shame. An expression of one's community repudiation of such an abomination. It's hard to be. It's hard to imagine a more damning commentary on what is taking place in enlightened America today. I love the sarcasm there than that provided by the legal witness of the out of the conscience of benighted ancient paganism. So wow, even the pagans were recognizing that the the, the abortion in the womb was such a uh, you know terrible act now once they became born you see how a lot of pagans treated the children but nevertheless that point still reigns true abortion when the bible doesn't even talk about voluntary abortion by human beings at all so those are two major areas of contestation in america supposedly based on the bible which which are cannot be based on the bible at all and let me say take this just one step further Pastor, um, both these areas, homosexuality and, abor- and abortion, were determined um, by during a meeting of right-wing evangelicals around 1980. Randall Bomber documents this in his book, Thy Kingdom Come. He was there. They got together and they tried to decide what wedge issues can we come up with that we can use to get the people behind us uh, so we can dominate society in um, in our image. And they decided the strategy would be they would use homosexuality and abortion as wedge issues to get people uh, up in arms to support them so they can dominate society. If you don't hear what he's saying, this is highly offensive. <laughs> uh, he's saying in the 1980s, the issues that Republicans, conservatives, evangelicals right right wing people came up with to to get the culture was homosexuality and abortion 
I mean, there's a long history even prior to them. People. So what was the issue prior to the 80s where people were disagreeing with this issue? It's because the Bible teaches it, <laughs> uh, um, you know, and so I, I just want you to hear what he's saying. He's saying these issues are political issues, not biblical and theological issues, which I'd be willing to have a discussion about that personally. And that's and 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 that strategy is not only cynical, but it's based on misuse of the Bible as well. So what we're talking about that the say <laughs> interesting. He said it's it's a misuse of the Bible, but didn't he just say there's no conclusion on what the Bible actually says about these issues? Do you guys recall hearing that, right? Now he's saying, it seems to say, he say, there is a conclusion. That's why they're misusing it. Interesting. The basic foundation of right-wing evangelicalism is rotten and anti-biblical. Hmm. So, so, Dr. Harris, I want to I share two perspectives of mine and ask you to kind of either uh, tell me where I need to tighten up or, you know, expound upon it. One is I think I'm, I'm a little challenged whenever I hear people speak of the Bible as if there's just some objective reading interpretation and use and not realizing you know i I believe in what renita williams said you can only see from where you stand and so what he's arguing right there is that you cannot read the bible and come to an objective conclusion on what it is teaching so we don't have a sure word like uh the apostle peter said apparently we have a where you're standing word and it's not even sure about that so so given I don't see how this conclusion can even disagree with the conservatives. They could just say, well, that's just where you're standing. You're right. And you're where you're standing. But where I'm standing, I'm right. Right. See, this is the problem with subjectivism. You can't actually disagree with someone else's subjective opinion. It's just like, is LeBron a better player or Jordan? Now, some people say, no, that's very objective. But hopefully you get the point I'm making. It's it depends on what certain people think concludes what makes someone better. So if you think titles Jordan, hands down. If you think it's points, LeBron. You know, rebounds or or assists, he goes LeBron. So that's a subjective opinion. But the word of God is objective. We know that it's wrong to murder your children. Why? The Bible says so. And it really goes to a fundamental view of what do you think the word of God is? See, see. You have to press people's presuppositions, not just deal with what they're saying, but the presupposition behind what they're saying. We, we, we have to I always say, guys, we need to think about it. We need to think about it. Think about these issues where you stand in life determines what you see, even as you read scripture, that all yeah. scripture is subject to interpretation. And one of the challenges, all scripture is subject to interpretation. I agree with that, but. He means something different than what I mean by that. What he means is, obviously, as what he just said, there is no objective meaning behind these uh, these this interpretation. It's only one's position and where they stand. I would obviously disagree with that. Is to broaden your understanding of what you see, which is why works like yours are so critical to help me see a little bit more than just what I thought I read or maybe misread in Leviticus this or Exodus that. So I think it's very important to embrace that anyone who uses scripture obviously has some interpretation behind it and maybe even a a goal in why they're using it. I mean, we, we only need to look at the encounter of Satan and Jesus in the wilderness. And after the first round, Satan ups it and says, all right, well, let me just start quoting scripture. 
Uh, I think that might be a bad example when you use Satan's misinterpretation. To uh, you might you you might want to find a better example than Satan. I'm just saying. I mean, uh, I thought that was an interesting point that the person he used to validate his point is Satan himself. Interesting. And it's dangerous to fall prey to someone simply because they quote chapter and verse. So that, yes. that's my first start, start with interpretation. And then I want to get to a second point that, that bothers me. Yeah. Well, you know, the inter- interesting thing about uh, interpretation is, uh, yes, you know, we can only see from where we're standing, but um, what we see in order to be fully um, accurate, well, as accurate as we can make it, we have to, engage in historical and and uh, contextual understanding we have to we have to look at and I, I agree with this and I'll, I'll let him continue but one thing you need to be careful about is liberals will say a lot of things that are true they'll challenge you in some things that you're like I've never considered that and I think you're right about that I've been challenged in in, in that manner uh, by people who don't believe the Bible's the word of God and uh, more uh, historical uh, context and things like that. But what you have to be careful is following them down their conclusions. That's often where liberalism gets it wrong. They'll be right on the facts, the history and all this. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then and yeah, that's why the Bible is not the word of God. You'll be like, hold on. Whoa, whoa, how'd you get to that? So I just want you to guys think about not everything these guys say is wrong. So that's what's so appealing sometimes. If we really want to be informed, we have to look at the passages in question um, in their time and place, uh, that, that means their cultural setting, that, that their time in history, and also look at the language in which they're uh, in, in, uh, in which they're written. And <clears throat> that doesn't mean we can ever be fully objective. So even that we can't we can't be objective even once we know all this. <laughs> just just very ironic that like i said they'll be right on the facts then the conclusion will fall off just like this this is a perfect example of what i'm talking about but it all but it does it does mean that we can get a a, a deeper understanding of what is meant in that passage but more than that one thing we have to do which we don't do is that whenever you in, interpret something you, you have to have an interpretive principle an interpretive core um, they call it, uh, some call it a hermeneutic and Jesus gives. Absolutely. And mine is the analogia fide, the analogy of the faith, scripture, interpreting scripture, right? Um, it's, it's, it's all of it. Not so, but watch what he says. The is, is the interpretive principle and the reason why. That interpreted core, interpretive core. He's in his own words. Sorry, you might have not heard that. He says, Jesus give us, gives us the interpretive principle in his own words. So let's hear what it is. Because I, I want to hear it if Jesus said it, right? Let's get it. He says, the first two commandments, the most important commandments, the primary commandments, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So in social and political and cultural terms, worldly terms, the first um, the primary commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves, meaning we want the same good things, security, resources, whatever, for our neighbors as we want for ourselves as a function 
of our love for God. The second one, there's two core principles. The second one is, is what Jesus gives as the primary mode of judgment that God would use against us and that we should in turn use ourselves. And that's Matthew 25, 31 through 46. As you have not done it to the least of these, you have not done it to me. And um, and so, so, Jesus, so these are presented by Jesus as the primary modes of, of understanding and judgment, the core of the gospel. So when we interpret. So what we're being told is that the golden rule, right? Uh, treat each other, uh, love, love our neighbor as ourselves. Right. And also as you do to the least of the, so we're told, we, we were told somehow in the beginning that that's the primary key of how to interpret the Bible. I, I would encourage you guys to go to those passages and read the context and see if that's the point. See, oftentimes the facts liberals are very good at like the history background, very good exegesis. Not so good. As you see here, um, that is not what Jesus was saying. See, if you love your neighbor and you tr you treat them, uh, you know, as, as yourself and due to the least of these, you care for the poor, then you'll know what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus was saying. You, you, you'll you be able to interpret scripture. That's not what he was saying at all. And this goes to my point about the sloppy exegesis. Anything in the Bible for Christians, they have to be refracted through the prism of those. And, and by the way, what I'm not saying is that we shouldn't do, you know, we shouldn't love our neighbor, love the poor. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's not a, uh, a hermeneutical principle to knowing what a passage says. Of, of, of those primary principles of interpretation that Jesus gives us. Doctor, you know, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. One of the things that frustrates me is I see how not only right wing, but even some, you know, maybe misguided Christians use the Bible. There's always this lifting up of the writings of Moses and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Paul without trying to see it through the lens of Jesus Christ. And I believe exactly. that the attempt to read Bible doesn't start with Exodus. It doesn't, it doesn't even start in Genesis. You really need to start by understanding what Christ was about. If that is truly what we believe the word incarnate and God's way of saying, let me show you the word. See, you, you do have a lot of this principle with, with a lot of, a lot of groups where, you know, the red letter only Bible kind of Christianity where you, they'll give higher emphasis to things said in the Gospels as opposed to Paul or, you know, Peter or, you know, any anywhere outside of the, 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 the four Gospels. And even that, the red letter, the red letters. But this really is a fundamental misunderstanding of inerrancy or inspiration. All of it is red letters. <laughs> you know, fundamentally, God has said it all. Jesus has said it all. Um, and so. I, I don't hold to this hierarchy of scripture of where, you know, you have this verse that, you know, it actually means more over here or uh, you're supposed to have it ranked higher as important. Like I said, this is what, what was done by liberalism with. Um, I forget the the what was it? The, the sayings of Jesus. So some, I, uh, I'll have to find that. And uh, hopefully by the time I do this video, I'll have uh, what that statement is called or that the theology that comes from this movement, obviously rooted in liberalism, but yeah. Not just what you read, but let me show you. So in, in the life of Jesus, we see these moments, especially Matthew, I think records it where he's interacting with the Pharisees 
or teaching the people. And he says, you've heard it said, but I say. And in each mm-hmm. one of those, those, those comments, he lifts up how someone else had quoted scripture, but how it had been misused. Yes, he's dealing with the misusal of the scripture, not um, a denial of what was said previously. So, again, bad example to prove your point. You've heard it say, but I say. And mm-hmm. I always want to ask people, but what did Christ say? What mm-hmm. does Jesus say? What? How does this reflect? As opposed to what does the Bible say? <laughs> well, he's just give me Jesus as far as his earthly ministry. I mean... Like I said, I think that's a bad principle to go off. Because like I said, all, all of it is God's word. The life of Jesus. And what I really enjoyed about your book was the argument that what we see with right-wing evangelicalism is really antithetical to the life of Jesus Christ as a whole. And we are not called to be Bibliotians. We're called to be Christians. We're not called. Jesus was a Bibliotian. So the very thing you're going to, Jesus himself denied. He always said, what does the word of God say? Uh, Thus saith the Lord and appealed back to Moses' writings in uh, Jeremiah or Isaiah. So the very thing you're doing, <laughs> Jesus denied. So, okay, I'll if I'm a Christian, that makes me a Bibliotian. So, again, if, if I go with what you say, it actually fundamentally denies what you say as well. So yeah. those who worship Bible, but those who live out the teachings of Jesus Christ in our life. And that's Notice how even that's framed. Worship the Bible. <laughs> I don't know anyone sitting around with candles around their room. Oh, praise the Bible. Like, <laughs> no, we worship Christ in that we want to do what he says. We follow his example. Therefore, we take all the Bible serious. Say we reject Leviticus and throw away Romans, but we read it through the prism of the life of Jesus Christ to help us in our interpretation and application. He actually has a d- different. All the, the Old Testament points to Christ. So actually, if you understand the Old Testament properly, you'll actually see more Christ than what you want just in the red letters. See, when, when you fundamentally deny, you know, the, the principle of, uh, uh, you know, knowing your Old Testament, all these things pointed to Christ. So any person wouldn't want to have a hierarchy of these things if they truly understand the Old Testament. No, I, I, absolutely. I, I do think, though, it's it's. Um... One thing I, I, I point out in the book is that the foundation of Jesus of gospel teachings, um, the ethics of the Hebrew Bible, right? I mean, he says, you, you know, he, he says he come, came to fulfill actually, right? And uh, and so it's important to read them side by side. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, for Christians, you must understand the gospels. And we must read the rest of the Bible through the teachings of Jesus. Um, what and what we will, and but we might also read the gospel and look at the basic um, ethical principles of the Hebrew Hebrew Bible at the same the same time. Um, I- so what they want to do is make ethics the primary meaning of the Bible. Uh, and and how we treat our neighbor that is that important absolutely but if you read the bible and just think of it as a moral code you've missed the point because again as i just stated that the bible's primary focus is jesus it's pointing to him who he is who you know uh, the gospel not just how to live your life is that thing is that there absolutely should we follow that example absolutely but it's not 
if, if that's the case, the Bible is no more important than any other religious uh, book. If you just want morals, other religious guides can give you that as well to some extent. But we have something more than just a moral guidebook. <laughs> Try to. I don't know that I did in, in this book. I've done it elsewhere there. Um, to identify, to, to boil those down to four ethics. I think they're mishpat justice, sadaqah, putting justice in <clears throat> into action in society, um, <clears throat> uh, chesed, um, uh, translated as as loving kindness often, but a, a better translation, I think, is steadfast love. Is like um, a prismatic approach, I mean, refracting everything uh, through the prism of, of, of love um, and community, right? In other words, um, analyzing every action, um, every practice, every policy um, with regard to, um, through this prism of love of community, <coughs> pardon me. And then uh, the fourth one, um, uh, it's um, transliterated Emmet, E-M-E-T, Emmet, which means honesty. You know, truth, truthfulness, civility, right? Um, I, I, and let when me, we look at. Let me skip fast forward here because I, I, I think I meant to cut this section out, but let's keep going. Just individualism. So um, it again, Dick. Uh, before we wrap up, you know, one of the things I had a debate with someone the other day. It, it was. Oh, guys, <laughs> this is good. this was a bonus clip right here, but I w- I want you guys to listen to this because it's very interesting around mask wearing and vaccinations, et cetera, et cetera, and respecting the right of, you know, people to concern themselves with what they put in their body. But I lifted up a bigger issue, and I think it's one that to me shows this divide within American society along so many lines, and that is what rises higher, my responsibility for communal well-being or my individual right for my free choice? And so often Americans lean towards this, I have the freedom to do what I want without regard for the consequences of what it does to community and what it does to this life. You know, and, and a simple trivial example is I don't want to wear a mask. Why? Because I, I don't like the way it makes me feel when I'm breathing. So you're, you're going to risk my life for your own individual freedom. And that's at the lowest level. When you expound it at the higher level. <laughs> what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, what are you talking about? Because wearing a mask does not put you in jeopardy of freedom. If if that's the case, we've been doing it wrong for the last 2,000 years, uh, human history. But, I mean, the CDC to recognize, it doesn't prevent any spread. or <laughs> That's why if people are all wearing a mask. Have you seen it? Like one week they'll be wearing the triple mask, and the next week they'll be posting, I got the COVID, how did I get it? It's like, well, because it doesn't prevent you from getting it so even getting the jab doesn't prevent the spread of it we've we've kind of seen that but they're going to make some really harsh uh uh condemnations if you thought that was the bad part just stick around hold on to you hold on to your seat what oh wait not that not that <laughs> so what we see in society that's a huge problem what i hear you saying to us is one of the clear things in bible that we overlook it's amazing how organizations can identify their core principles, but they miss the core principles of the Bible, right? We we can identify... Uh, which we were just told earlier, it's not objective. So what does this even mean? It, 
uh, you know, <laughs> so, so this is a big contradiction. I mean, that's all I'm pointing out. Our core identifying marks, but we won't do the same when it comes to scripture. And one of the most basic, you know, ethical commandments in scripture is that you are your brother and sister's keeper. You have a responsibility. Uh, it, is that what the Bible teaches? Because, hey, I, I thought it was all subjective. I mean, I, I thought we didn't have an objective. But like I said, it's, it's not consistent at all. See, when it comes to morals and values and the things they like, oh, the Bible says this. But when it comes to things explicitly like homosexuality, abortion, well, we're not really sure what Paul meant when he said that. The well-being of community that causes you to sacrifice your own individual well-being. There's a reason why the majority of commandments in Old Testament and Hebrew Bible are not about regulating your worship with God. They're about mm-hmm. regulating your role in community and interaction that's, with brother and sister. That's that's just absurd. That's just absurd. But uh, that, it, yeah, we're going to continue to live out that relationship with God. Absolutely, brother. I mean, that hits it on on the head. You know, um, what these folk, these right wingers and so many Christians just get wrong or keep they're always talking about freedom and I had the freedom. The overarching uh, perspective of the of the scripture is not freedom, it's responsibility. Mm. You know, mm. we have a responsibility to other other people, you know, um, now, you know, we have a, a, we have freedom. But we don't have freedom from responsibility. And that is, that's the problem. And so when we look again at these conservatives, these right-wingers are talking about um, you're, you're um, infringing on my freedom by having me wear a mask. As you said, they're not, they don't understand that they are violating the biblical principle of responsibility for our brothers and sisters. They're saying that, the uh, Good Samaritan is a sucker. You know, that you just don't have... <laughs> who, who said that? Who says this? Like I said, it, it, it gets worse. It doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter what folk need. You know, you don't, in, in libertarianism, you know, the political philosophy that right-wingers, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, that they subscribe to, says that, you know, you don't have a responsibility to help other people. Your responsibility. What? <laughs> I've never heard any conservative say this. Uh, and and to be more uh, explicit, a Christian conservative say, "Hey, if you die, you die. So what? You know? I mean, this is a, this is absurd." It is to yourself. That's not Christianity. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so, if you know that you. You can get this um, COVID and you can give it to someone else and make them sick. If you know that you can harm someone else doing that, you have a responsibility to protect them from from harm. These folk are not fulfilling their their gospel responsibility. Um, They're violating it. They're spitting in the face of it. It is anti-biblical. It's anti-Christian. And I'll go farther, Pastor Wesley, that... What we see them, what we see reflected in their attitudes and their actions and their pronouncements is what First John calls the spirit of Antichrist. Anti means opposition, um, an opposition to. Well, these folk, what they're saying, 
is the uh, the op- is op- in opposition to the gospel. It's anathema to the gospel. When you are saying you don't have responsibility to folk, when you're calling a hateful figure, uh, um, a messianic figure, and as we know, people have called Trump the Messiah. Um, uh, they so let me, let me stop there because he's saying, th- listen to what he's saying. Think of, th- think about what he's saying. If you don't want to wear the mask, you don't want to get the jabs. One, you're showing a responsibility, love for your neighbor. Not only that, you're operating anti-gospel. You're you're walking around in the spirit of antichrist. Talk about politi- talk about politicizing the Bible and politicizing Christianity. This is just outright crazy. <laughs> uh, because the Bible doesn't. I don't think you read those conclusions and come to that that the Bible is saying that. Uh, but somehow. Galatians one is on you if you deny. I guess, I guess, mask and jabs are a gospel. It's the gospel, apparently, because that's what what makes one an anathema, denying the gospel. Said that there should be a book in the Bible called the Book of Trump. When you have this kind of sickness and madness, <laughs> these they're all like, I can't believe. I, I I'll say this: I've never met a person. Who says this? Have I heard? Have I heard it online? Like some fringe groups? Yes, but the majority of people. Remember, this is the John MacArthur conservative Christianity, uh, right? That we're talking about. Apparently, uh, I've never heard people. Matter of fact, uh, recently, uh, you know, Trump was in a, a a a service, and the most people I saw speaking out against this was Reformed white evangelicals that were like, he should not be in there speaking on the Lord's day. Lord's day, like. Most people who have issues with Trump are, <laughs> but anyways, I mean, it's it's easy to just slander people, I guess. Um, promulgated in the name of Christ, that is anti-Christian. It's anti-Christ. It's a spirit of anti-Christ. We're not talking about metaphysics here. We're talking about a demonstrated um, em- embracing of principles and actions and pronouncements and folks who whose actions are militating against what the gospel said they should do so um frank yes when you make see even there when you make the gospel do something that we are we are doing rather than in line with i I understand living in line of the gospel but the gospel is not me doing see fundamentally they have a different gospel a wrong gospel so that's 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 uh that's why i wanted to respond even to this part um the gospel is not do that's a law so they make they've they've actually anathematized themselves, even with this silly example. But I'm sure if they were to define the gospel uh, truly uh, as lib- liberals, they, they wouldn't agree with what the Bible teaches on the gospel. Graham. And, and I, how I know that is because Howard Wesley says that it's possible for a person who's not a Christian to go to heaven. So fundamentally, he's denied the gospel there because Christ is the only way. He's got a spirit of Antichrist. Um, Paula White, spirit of Antichrist. Robert Jeffries, spirit of Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, I agree Paula White has a spirit of Antichrist, but not for the same reasons. Why? No, I'm not saying that, you know, that they're, they're evil people. I'm saying, though, that they, they are. In, in the, they're not evil, but they have the spirit of Antichrist. Interesting. Are um, in the thrall of 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 evil uh, of evil discourse and evil actions. And we have to start calling evil by its rightful name. This is not bad politics. This is not just political incorrectness. This is 
evil because it's hurting innocent people in the name of Christ and they don't care. That's the biggest sin. I think one of the biggest sins you can uh, you can ever commit, and that is not just refraining from loving your neighbor as yourself, but by consciously and actively working against the welfare of of, of your neighbor, those G, those who Jesus loves so deeply. All right, man. I hope you all enjoyed this, man. Uh, very interesting. Like I said, I, I responded to Howard Wesley in the past, Doctor Howard Wesley, that is in the past and responding to some of his theological claims if you'd like to check that out please search the channel uh just so you can see a background but those who've been with me since the howard wesley days you know exactly where he's coming from and you're just like wow this guy just keeps getting worse every lord's day right just his theology his theology is continuously developing continuously changing well kind of like he believes as god is so it's kind of ironic there uh but yeah, man, I hope y'all enjoyed this video. Let me know your thoughts, man. Leave a comment. Hey, do y'all agree with what I'm saying? Do you don't? Let's talk about it, all right? Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell so you can be aware when I drop content. Guys, you know how we do it here. To the next time, grace and peace.